Our guest today on the Life and Rhythm podcast is Adam Petropoulos. Adam has worked one-on-one with literally thousands of individuals and is a highly sought-after fitness expert in the Valley with over 20 years of experience in the fitness industry, including executive positions at Arizona's largest locally-owned fitness center chain. Born and raised in Tucson, Arizona, Adam developed a love for fitness through his ongoing involvement in sports, which led him to explore a degree in exercise and wellness at Arizona State University. Straight out of college, Adam worked his way up Uh, through the industry with a ferocious desire to learn and grow, one of the qualities that I appreciate most about him. Through his growth mindset, Adam immersed himself beyond his degree, obtaining a host of certifications in a variety of fields from personal training to nutrition. In light of all the success that he endured, he found himself climbing the corporate ladder and stress piling up, depression settling in, and the physical and emotional toll of not only his job, but also a major uh, injury found himself as unhealthy as he'd ever been, closing in on 250 pounds and over 25.5% body fat. Adam realized that enough was enough and he began to recover his life through nutrition and fitness. In so doing, he created a business to extend, extend that same invitation to others. Copper State Fit was born out of Adam's own personal journey. And I could personally attest to this, that Adam has a passion to truly help people discover the best versions of themselves through fitness and nutrition. And for us at Rhythm, we wanna continue to explore what it means to be holistically fit, to allow the gospel to penetrate every area of our life. And so in this episode, we're gonna get some gospel clarity by focusing in on Nutrition and Fitness with Adam Petropoulos. Let's welcome him to the show. Well, please welcome to the Life and the Podcast, Adam Petropoulos. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Dude, yeah. I have, uh, I've just enjoyed getting to know you over the last couple of years. And every time we get to sit down and have coffee and talk health and nutrition, I walk away just so encouraged by your philosophy and your heart, um, which I shared a little bit in the intro of how you are just seeking after to, to help people um, recover their life. And that obviously stems from your journey and your passion in the fitness industry that you've been a part of for a long time now. Yeah. And it's had its um, high of highs, and I'm sure it's low of lows uh, over the years. We're just going to dive right in, and I would love to just hear your thoughts on um, where the industry was when you jumped in and where the health industry is today from an American culture standpoint and what you're seeing, um, obviously, with the epidemic of depression and mental illness that's that's happening in our country, um, how you see nutrition and overall fitness navigating through that mm-hmm. um, and and just your involvement with Copper State and trying to recover people's lives. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think that um, if I look back and, and think over you know 20 plus years of service to people in this way, I think the biggest differences I would say are that how, how much more time constraints people have. I think people take on a lot more, uh, oops, excuse me, have trouble saying no right mm-hmm. uh to some things and you know putting things that are the most important first and, and realizing how to do that you know i think it's a constant putting out of fires in, in people's lives 
versus setting themselves up uh, for kind of a, a vision and a plan of where they want to be, not just physically, you know, but mentally, spiritually, and whether that be, you know, a business that they run, a, a family that they organize, et cetera, et cetera. Um, with that being said, I think the awesome thing is the development of all the technology that we have. I think people are becoming more aware, right? I mean, from wearing trackers, you know, like right. Fitbits and, and having certain apps that they can, you know, track food with and things like that. So the level of awareness has become much greater. Uh, but I think the double-edged part of that sword is there's so much information right. that people really get lost in the weeds, yeah. you know. Um, Ironically, nutrition, I always say, is it's a lot like religion and politics. It, you know, people will, will form camps yeah. and, and, and get very, very set in their, their oh, mind yeah. and dig their heels in like, it, this is the way. And, yeah. and if you're, you're not doing vegan? it like this, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell, hey, tell me about it. Greg, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. yeah, coming at you. I mean, now you have the vegans, you know, and, and you have uh, the carnivores, right? The carnivore oh, yeah. diet and, yeah. and, you know, keto diet and plant-based. I mean, you, you, ha you name it, you have these camps. But I think that's our natural human desire to belong to something mm -hmm. and not just be on this island by ourself. And, and in doing so, creates a lot of division. Um, I consider myself and and. Copper State Fit to be diet agnostic, right? Like we just, uh, like, hey man, come one, come all. Right. But there are these sound truths that underlie every one of these nutritional philosophies right. that we need to adhere to. That's good. So what are those foundational truths? And, and then I'd love for you to bounce off of that and just talk about like, here's the, here's the vision and mission of Copper State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the foundational truths, I think, with most of those philosophies, right, the mm -hmm. different camps, if you look at them, the, the one similar aspect to each of them is the removing something. Yeah. Right? Right. So you look at a vegan diet, it's like removal of animal products, right? A ketogenic diet is, hey, don't eat carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a carnivore diet, don't eat plants, right? <laughs> Everything is removing something. And I think the problem with that is we lose out on a lot of nutrients that are important coming from those foods. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, our philosophy is subtraction by addition. We want people to, to eat more fruits and vegetables. We want them to get more protein. We want them to have a more active lifestyle. And naturally by you know, hydrating themselves more, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to start to push out some of those things, right? right? So right. I think that's our overarching philosophy. And a lot of you know, people know us to, you know, I, I hear this a lot. You, you guys coach people on how to track macros, and, and we do. Um, but believe it or not, that's probably less than 60% of the people that we coach. Probably 30 to 40% of the people are just more habit-based coaching. Yeah. You right. know, and building strong habits that they can take with them for life. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think the other thing that in terms of the subtraction for all those different diets, one of the things that we can all agree on or mostly agree on, I shouldn't say all, because there's certainly other fads out there that wouldn't necessarily apply to this, but that is the, the overwhelming amount of processed foods, yeah. uh, sugar yeah. that we, that we consume. 
So mm-hmm. whether you're plant-based or vegan or, or whatever it is, you know, carnivore, keto, I mean, all of them are saying processed foods, bad, you know, eat real food. And I like what you said there, like you can get protein source from a lot of different uh, you know, avenues. But that's what one of the things we're going to look at is how much protein are you consuming? Mm-hmm. And that's where macros comes in to be able to get a foundation there for you yeah. um, to just know. I, I liken it to, you know, finances in budgeting. Like yeah, if you never, so. if you just spend, 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 you know, and you're like, now I'm in debt and broke or I'm bankrupt. It's like, well, how did this happen? I don't know. I just spent it. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. and that's most of the time where people are with their weight or their diet is I don't know how I got here, you know, mm-hmm. and it's 50 pounds later, hundred pounds later. It's like, well, we could track this and understand where those things are going. And then on the reverse end, the proactive end is like, I can tell my nutrients where to go, or I can yeah. tell I'm budgeting. I can tell my money where to go. And yeah. I'm going to be in a better spot. Human behavior is a little hard when it comes to those habits. So what are some, you know, what are some habits that you've found people to adhere to and really have helped them? Um, or just what are some struggles that people have in creating those new habits? And where do you start from a coaching standpoint uh, to be able to navigate that? Good question. I, I want to just touch on something that you said of almost getting to where they were by accident, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's 100% true. But I think people have to realize that they're not going to get out of their situation by accident, right? I mean, you're freaking ripped, incredible shape, Adam, but that didn't happen by accident, right? right? Like that, that's gonna take some intention. But I also think that the mistake that people make is again, wanting to bite off more than they can chew. Mm. We've all heard it, diet starts Monday, right? Monday, yeah. I'm gonna stop doing this, I'm gonna start doing that. It's like this laundry list of things that, that their, their plan of getting there that lasts for like three, four days until life kicks them in the stomach and it's like, Okay, where did all those habits go? Yeah. So we really want to start, you know, we want to bring people into our program at the level that they're at. You know, if mm. if if it's elementary level nutrition, let's not start them at high school. Right. Right. Let's put them at the appropriate place, but also let's work on one habit at a time. Statistically right, okay. speaking, it's good. Working on one thing at a time, you're gonna have an 85% chance of success. Working on two or more, 35%. Wow. Three or more than less than 10%, right? So when these people put together these plans of, I'm going to do boom, 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 they're setting themselves up for a 90% chance of failure, okay? So we have to protect them from themselves at times Mm. and say, listen, it might sound crazy, Adam, but we're just going to set you up with this one habit, one goal, and I want them to give me the feedback of a 90% or more confidence that they can accomplish that in a given week. Meaning it might be as simple as, hey, can we start with taking a daily multivitamin? Well, they, they yeah. laugh like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, ha, that's way too easy. But you gotta <laughs> trust me, trust the process. You know, drinking a certain amount of water per day, whatever it is that they can start with, reason being is mm. people are always looking for this motivation yeah. to get going. What creates motivation is momentum, not the other way around. So when they start to build that momentum of, oh man, I I took my vitamin every single day last week. Awesome, cool. Then the next week and the next week, we start to stack some of these habits over time. Before they know it, six months in, they're looking back in the rearview mirror and they're like, wow, I'm doing all those things that I wanted to do, but their plan was to do it day one instead of building it over time. That's so good, dude. And, and yeah. so you said, um, 
you know, going back to like 60% of people, you're looking at macros, 40% of people, you're, and, and everybody, you're meeting them where they are. Yeah. And you're starting to form these habit stacks. Mm-hmm. Um, where, just in a general kind of uh, average uh, from your clients or just what you see in our population, where should people start? What's the starting point of stacking on healthy habits when it comes to nutrition and and overall health? Absolutely. I think uh, the easy ones I just mentioned, you know, multivitamin, um, you mentioned processed food, you know, even if we eat as healthy as possible, there's going to be something lacking. And, in, in, you know, so covering their bases, that insurance policy. But if we start to get a little bit deeper into some of these actionables, I'd probably say, okay, number one, hydration, make sure you're well hydrated. Number two, probably your, your fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. right? Less than 12% of the population get the required daily amounts of fruits and vegetables, right? Start eating more of those. Um, once you've tackled those small things, then maybe go to the next step, which would be looking at protein. Um, I also think people, people don't have enough hard, fast meals of like, this is breakfast, lunch, dinner. We're just grazers, you know, we've cut mm-hmm. like, a handful of almonds here and, and grab this. I'm making the kids lunch for the day and a couple bites here and there. It's just constant food coming in throughout the day. So trying to, hey, here's breakfast, lunch, dinner. No snacks. You don't need them. You yeah. know what I mean? We can go days without food. Our bodies were designed to do that. But breaking some of those habits by setting up some structure. That is good. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things I was thinking about – with with that is especially you you kind of mentioned making kids meals so the habit what what do you think about the habit stacking when it comes to families or or even just the environment that we're around um so you know does it take a village you know does it take people like doing this with you how much success have you seen with people like spouses doing it together uh and or families um, doing it together, or just having an accountability partner or somebody on the journey with you. Mm-hmm. Where does the social aspect come in that you've seen? You know, again, because we don't want to be on an island, we have this natural inclination to want to be part of something, a group, whether, you know, whether it be a church or, uh, you know, like that's one of the things like CrossFit, right? Functional fits like this group, right? Um, so yeah, absolutely. When you do have, you said spouses, when you have everyone in the household, at least the leaders of the household, that are doing their best to follow a specific plan, both of them are going to be more likely to succeed in that plan. You know, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of, of sabotage too. I mean, in 20 plus years of working with people, you hear, you know, these stories of, whether it's husbands, wives of like, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm really trying my best, but my wife keeps bringing X, Y, or Z into the house, yeah. you know, or I'm trying my best, but my husband always wants to go out to eat, mm-hmm. right? So it's a challenge if, if not everybody's on board, but I also think regardless, I mean, we're in control of our own choices and, and our own outcomes, but I think we need to get the others involved. Maybe if they don't want to follow it on their own, at least get them involved and know what journey we want to be on so that they can understand that. And it's a hard thing for some folks to do. I mean, we work with your general population, but we also work with a lot of people that are 100, 200, 300 pounds overweight as well. And, mm. and it's embarrassing for them 
to let other people know the journey that they're starting because they've tried it a hundred times and they failed a hundred times. And, and in their mind, they're thinking, you know, these people don't, don't believe what I'm about to say and, and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think getting your circle of people around you to be there to help hold you accountable and not to like slap you on the wrist, but like help give you the encouragement, inspiration, reminders that you need to make it from step one to step two. That's good. Yeah, dude, that reminds me, um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the different components of the human soul. And we talked about that primarily we are desiring beings. What we desire, we usually think about, and that usually leads to what we do with our bodies. But often as Americans, we leave out the social aspect of who we are, how, how we are interconnected in a human web of relationships. Whether we want to believe it or not, we are the most highly individualistic society of all time. And I think that's one of Jesus's greatest challenges when he says, yeah, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And let me give you another commandment in the same breath that's just like it, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And he ties those two things together. And basically in essence says, you cannot love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength if you're not including community. All right. Because it's not good for you to be alone. It's not Mm -hmm. good for you to be isolated. And I'm resonating so deeply, dude, with everything you're saying, because even in, in church work, I think two of the things that have changed over the last 20 years are exactly the two things that you just mentioned. People are busier. They don't know how to say no mm-hmm. to different things. Mm-hmm. And also tech has grown, mm-hmm. which has made a massive impact on, mm-hmm. the, on the global church, not just the American church. And what do we do about that? So uh, even your comment, I just want to review for a second and just say your comment of we want to do subtraction by addition. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to guys with pornography addictions who are like, I don't know how to get out of this. I'm stuck in this spiral of lust. And, and they're like, I just, I want to do that. I, I don't want to do that, but I'm doing what I don't want to do yeah. over and over again. And I, your phrase is so much punchier than what I've used in the past. Subtraction by addition is so helpful. But what I have said is if you want to cancel out an old affection, you need a better new affection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you, and what you're saying is let's not try to lose 100 pounds today. Yeah. Okay. Let's not put on a sweatsuit and go out in Arizona heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen those dudes. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. instead, yeah. let's have you drink 100 ounces of water yeah. a day for yeah. a week. Let's try that. And actually, you might even gain some weight this week, but this is such a healthy long-term habit for you. You need to hydrate yourself. Mm -hmm. And you and I both know as you get water in your system, you're going to hunger less. And then even you saying you want to start with where people are at, to me, I just have this image of Jesus coming up to all these different people in different contexts, meeting them exactly where they're at and inviting them into the thing that they can do right there. Not saying, hey, let's go make disciples of the whole world. No, he just tells Peter in a boat, just drop your nets right now. Just follow me. Literally just walk after me and then just watch how I do it. Yeah. And yeah. he started with exactly where he was. And even when they jacked everything up, they were like, all right, let me correct this. Let's start there. <laughs> yeah. When well, they jacked everything up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They jacked no. everything up. But he always starts where they're at. Yeah. So that's so good, man. I'm just, I'm really gelling with everything you're saying. Good. I think, and I think people, truth be told, have a tough time knowing where they're at. Yeah, right. Yeah, Examining, you know, it, I, I think a lot of people want to give themselves. It's that that Dunning Kruger effect of like the people who are really really good at doing something mm-hmm. will usually underevaluate their performance at doing that thing, mm-hmm. and those people who aren't will severely overestimate their ability to do such thing. And so, 
a lot of times as a new client comes in, we'll look at their questionnaire and, and think, okay, here's kind of where I think we should start with them. Mm -hmm. But you'll realize quickly like, okay, we went way too far ahead or maybe we were a little bit far behind and yeah. we need to you know, move along a little bit faster. In that whole process though of transformation, a key virtue I'm hearing you say without saying it is humility. Oh, yeah. Humility on completely. the coach's part and humility on the person who's trying to change. Yeah. yeah. And when I think about a spiritual transformation, what is the thing that is needed more than anything? What is the virtue? Like, what's the key virtue? It's humility. It's coming. Mm. We talked about this week one and two of this podcast of like, can I raise my hands and surrender and just say, like, I can't do this on my own. I need help. I yeah. need it. I have to have it. Which, again, goes against the grain of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, change your life, self-improve yourself by yourself. It's mm -hmm. against all that and in humility saying, no, I need deep connections with people. Yeah. I, and I'm going to need their help eventually because I'm not that strong. Yeah. And I am weak. So anyway. We call it the trust fall. You know what I mean? Do you remember that? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Close your eyes. We should, your we should do it right now. <laughs> fall backwards. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. get on the table. That's my kid's Are like, you favorite thing me? to do. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, catch me. Love it. No, that's uh, you know, there's a couple of things I'm thinking about. Uh, one is it's and it's hard for us as 21st century Americans to um, parallel our nutrition and eating patterns and overall health with Jesus. <laughs> but I think what you're saying is absolutely um, what we can compare, or at least what we can evaluate is Jesus had the always had the correct motive always had the right desires mm -hmm. and the um, exact intention for his life. Um, we don't. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you were saying um, that kind of sparked in my mind about our food is that it is a, uh, it, or you were saying about pornography, it's an addiction. Mm -hmm. So we have this dopamine hit that's yeah. that's just constant whenever we take in sugar and just a, I mean, the reality, like when you look at the nutritional facts uh, on most of the foods, if it comes in a package, you're going to see one of the first ingredients being sugar. Um, and so we're constantly getting that hit over and over and over again. And these food engineers know that. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, <laughs> oh, they've yeah. got it. I mean, Doritos. Right, How freaking tastier are those. I mean, right? Come on now. You know, I mean, they've got people on their team that literally have it down to a science of this person's going to eat this chip and want fifteen hundred more. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. If you look at the serving size on a Doritos package, you're like, laugh for real? Like, yeah. it's like, like a bowl of cereal. Weigh it out. Get out of here, Lucky yeah. Charms. Get out of here. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. Have you seen that sugar film? You seen that movie on Netflix? That documentary I know, about I might it? have. It's, the, I might it's have. about that. It's about the science behind taste points and how yeah. much sugar goes into a thing and how they built it into a science and specifically sure. with low fat foods, low sugar yeah. foods, things yeah. that look like diet foods yeah. within a grocery store that when you boil it. So the dude, the whole film is about him eating all low mm -hmm. carb, mm -hmm. low fat mm -hmm. products with all this sugar and gaining basically weight. food products, not food. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so speaking about sugar, you know, one of the questions I want to circle back to is just how much, uh, how difficult it is as a parent, you know, for me at least, yeah. as a parent of two kids, a six-year-old and a two-year-old, um, that just crave bad foods. Um, you know, we I grew up in the 90s, like that's all, 
my parents had in the pantry was like, you know, yeah. little Debbie's and, yeah. you know, you mentioned Doritos and, totally. you know, all those processed foods, but it's just so laced with a bunch of stuff, namely sugar. Um, and then, you know, you have these big food companies that are lobbying, you know, and getting their way with how we regulate that uh, as a as a society. And selling this to kids. I mean, it's like selling drugs to kids right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes it, it makes it very difficult when parents want to make those changes in the home, um, to do that with the kids. So I, I just want to toss it over to you I, to see how you no, navigate good. that. That's good. First and foremost, I, I definitely want to say that we are not perfect. Right. What? So don't look at, right. at our cut, household. Cut. <laughs> like, cut. I mean, we're done. I, I got two kids. They're twelve and ten, and they love to eat all that stuff too. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I also think with that, <laughs> your kids are listening. You're like, no, we eat that. Yeah. Shh. Don't, <laughs> don't tell. The the reality is, I think, you know, in in your guys's arena, this obviously will resonate, but we're we're always trying to chase perfection. Nobody's perfect, mm -hmm. right? There's a, there's a spectrum that we live on mm -hmm. within that. And even with the processed foods, I think it's not black or white. Oh, this is a processed food, this isn't. There is a spectrum. I mean, if you look at an apple, yeah. an apple's apple, and then you have apple sauce, and you have apple juice, and then you have dried, you know, apple, like there's a spectrum of how processed is that food. Mm. Um, so I think it's, I mean, if you went cold turkey, imagine this, I mean, you, your kids are, eating these things and then you just decide one day like I'm going to get in better shape and I'm going to get healthy and you just go through and do this random audit through your whole house toss everything I mean your kids are probably going to be there grabbing stuff as you're dragging them out the door with it you know I've adults too yeah. right like oh yeah adults too so with that I think just like we coach our clients finding one habit one new habit um, helping them to adopt that new habit and slowly with that subtraction by addition, moving away from some of those processed foods, mm -hmm. more towards those whole foods, you know? And, and I don't think that you ever really want to get to the point of it's 100% whole foods. I mean, life would be pretty boring without some of that stuff, like the Doritos, the ice cream. Come like, <laughs> we, we got to have some of that from time yeah. to time. But I think it's living in there most of the time versus some of the time. An analogy that I use with the clients is we have to look at everything that we do uh, with our health and fitness as a deposit into that bank account of healthy living, healthy, mm -hmm. you know, fitness, uh, you know, healthy lifestyle. Every time you do something that maybe you would think or deem as not healthy, that's writing a check from that account, you know, and as long as you're not writing checks that are bigger than the deposits you've made, mm. you know, you're going to continue to have a healthy wellness account, yeah. if you will. Yeah. One of the practical things my wife and I have done, even the last six months, that's helped our kids eat more healthy. And my, I have a 12-year-old who her favorite meal is steak and Brussels sprouts. That's her oh, all-time. Nice. For her birthday, that's what she wants. And she, does she still eat a lot of crap? Yeah, <laughs> she does. But one of the things we've been doing with our three now four-year-old and our uh, six-year-old is we've been putting stuff on their plate that we're eating. And I don't know who told my wife this, but just having it on the plate and, and even if they, for whatever reason, do that battle of like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. going to do this. And you could, you could sit there for two hours and make them. But one of the things we've been doing is just, hey, OK, don't even take a bite. Just kiss that. 
This is the first time you've ever you've ever even seen it. Just kiss it and taste it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's giving them a playful way to try to almost explore new foods that they're so unaware of, of like, okay, that wasn't yeah, the like worst. That. And so after 10 times of kissing it, all right, now we're going to take, we're going to take a nibble of it. Okay. And we just, but exactly what you're saying of like, let's move the ball forward just an inch at a time. Let's mm-hmm. not try to do a Hail Mary every single time. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, and also let's not shame our kids. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. because I think food shaming is a real thing. Like if, when oh, you absolutely. get to be overweight, you start to think it's not that I make bad choices. It's that I am I'm a bad. bad person. Yeah. I'm bad at this. Mm, and yeah, that, and that yeah. to me is the difference between guilt, which can sometimes be a good motivator and shame of like, it's not that I do bad things. I am bad. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I will always be bad. And you get in that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. One of the things that when you were describing that came to mind is, um, there is a, I'm trying to think of the organization or, uh, a chef in LA started a vertical garden and had um, gang members that were in from impoverished areas uh, come in and be a part of this sort of cohort or this group. And they went from never, ever touching, even recognizing a vegetable, like they couldn't even describe what was on the plate to you or name that particular food. Um, they went from growing these vegetables, being a part of the process. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't try it at all. But when they were a part of the process of growing, picking, preparing, cooking, eating the food, they would try it and they loved it. Mm. And so I think about that, like one of the, one of the small wins you know, for us and our family is just including the kids in the process, you know, so we had a learning tower for Olivia when she was young, you know, so she could, you know, it would raise up to the height of the counter. And so she would be able to, you know, help with preparation of the food and cooking. Um, And there was a sense of like ownership that also now I want to, I want to, I want to partake in what I just cooked or what I just prepared, you know? And so um, now that that takes a long, you know, when you're trying to get something, you know, going back to busyness, where you're trying to get something quick and, you know, and easy and, and, you know, in front of the, the kids, it's probably not gonna be quick and easy to have a two-year-old help you with dinner. <laughs> but um, I was just blown away by that example of that guy in LA doing that with a group of kids. And I think that is so important for us going forward and being able to educate mm-hmm. kids and, what things are and what they do going mm-hmm. back to what you were saying like what do they actually do to your body like yeah. what are these nutrients doing yeah. to help you grow or help you mature or help you whatever no i think um, that's really good i uh, we do um on occasion in our own household you know we'll have some pizza nights sometimes it might be a little caesar's pizza right but at the same time we try to on most occasions make this little you know pizza bar the kids get their own little thing and get to build it like you said Mm. so including them in that making it fun like you know my daughter might want you know pepperonis my son might want olives like whatever it is they build their own so they're involved so i think that's a an excellent comparison that's awesome um and then what and from the education side of things so we have the food pyramid that is taught to our kids um that may or may not be accurate uh, in terms of how it pertains to health, how do you, 
walk through, you know, from an education standpoint and remind me of the ages of your kids, but how have you done that where they are today, a little bit older, but also from an early standpoint, how have you incorporated some of the things that you would teach your clients to your own kids? Yeah. I have a funny story with that actually. (laughs) So, uh, helping our kids understand how to classify foods first and foremost by their macronutrient, Yeah, you know? proteins, carbohydrates, fats, and yeah. just at a basic level, you know, uh, protein typically, although we can get it from a lot of sources, usually sure. comes from an animal source, right? Um, carbohydrates, usually it's grown in the ground or on a tree or on a plant, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then fats are incidental that we get through those other macronutrients as well. So we'll play a game sometimes. We'll go around the kitchen or in open the fridge and just point them out and ask the kids like, what's this? You know, mm-hmm. oh, that's a, a carbohydrate. How do you know? Because, you know, carrots grow on the ground. Yeah, awesome, cool. So there's this day we're going with my son. Again, kids are, are 12 and 11 actually. Now my, my son's 12, daughter's 11. We're going around asking, you know, what's this, what's this, what's this? And he's like, dad, what's protein powder? <laughs> and I'm like... Son, you just said the answer in your question, right? It's pro- protein powder. It's a protein. And, and it was just hilarious. We just chuckled That's about awesome. that. But back to your question is just starting with some basic fundamentals of what, where do these get classified, right. right? And then helping them understand that spectrum of processed foods, you know, from yeah. engineered food. I mean, back to the Doritos. It's like asking the kids, if you were stranded in the middle of nowhere, could you find a Dorito, mm. right? Like out in the wild, right? So uh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, we can come across some question. berries. Could you find a Dorito in the wild? Maybe, maybe. maybe. <laughs> dumpster, dumpster. Yeah. No. But can we, will we find berries? Will we find some fruits? Absolutely. Some root vegetables, right? Like, um, you know, we'll come across an animal, a rabbit or something. It's like, w- these are things that are out in the wild that mm. we That's are cool. supposed to eat. Yeah. Those other things we aren't, but also teaching them that spectrum of the processed foods. Again, I gave the example, you know, an apple to applesauce to, you know, dried apples, et cetera, and helping them see, oh, okay, where does this fit along that spectrum? That's good, man. I, if I could do a little bit of conversational gymnastics here, I, I see so much of what you're saying in people classifying what is spiritual and what is physical mm. and what matters to God, right? So... I've seen too many Christians completely uh, neglect, really, is, and maybe abuse is the right word, their physical life, and say, well, that doesn't really matter to God. And they classify that as, that's not important. What God really cares about is X, Y, and Z. I read my Bible, then I pray. I mean, last year we talked a lot about fasting, mm-hmm. and which is obviously having to do with food and nutrition. Mm-hmm. and how that can be really helpful um, to get rid of some of those desires that, and to build that muscle of self-control and to cooperate with the Spirit in that way. But I just want to say, uh, for those of you out here who are listening or watching this, that think that this doesn't matter, like that has been an argument in the church for 2,000 years. Since Jesus resurrected, people said that cannot happen. There is not a physical resurrection. This is about a spiritual life in Christ. And they tried to overly spiritualize everything. And, and they were actually called Gnostics. And, and they, were, they tried to create this, what is 
kind of a fancy philosophical word, a dualism between the physical Mm -hmm. and the spiritual, that there's this barrier Mm. and that God doesn't cross that barrier. Mm. He remains in the physical, he remains in the spiritual. We're in the physical. And really, if I can just put it bluntly, like that's not Jesus, that's Aristotle. That's what that is. Okay. That's where that whole thought came from. And, and eventually it's made its way into almost every church, I would say in America, where even though we can quote the great commandment of love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength in the body, like we don't, actualize that. We, we may be able to articulate that value, but we don't activate it. And I was just reading to these guys before we got started. Second um, John, which he's talking specifically to people who are dualistic. He's talking to people who are trying to separate the physical and the spiritual. And he says, I'm writing to the church whom I love in the truth, as does everybody else who knows the truth, because the truth lives in us and will be with us Forever. So he's referring to Jesus's phrase where Jesus says, Jesus is the truth. And Mm -hmm. the lie that is happening in the early church, again, is the same lie today where there is this dualism. And one of my favorite quotes on this is from N.T. Wright. I wrote this in the top of my Bible here. He just says, truth is what happens when humans redeemed by Jesus and renewed by the spirit think, speak and act. They embody it in a way that corresponds to God's plan to renew the whole creation. So I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of people listening to this that don't think that this matters. I just want to clear the air yeah. and say it mattered to Jesus. Absolutely. It matters to God that he's going to restore all the earth. And we get to be a part of that restoration now. And I genuinely think that there are some people following Jesus where their apprenticeship is actually hindered because of their diet, because of their way of life and their relationship yeah. with food. It's now their energy level may be down, their addictions. They may actually be making decisions in their daily life to go do something, not because the Holy Spirit led them to go do that, but because they are driven by the desires of their stomach. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a problem. It's been, a, it's, especially in America, like if there was one fruit of the spirit that's, or if there's a part of the fruit that's lacking, it would be self-control. Yeah. And I, th- <laughs> I think just to spin off that a little bit, you know, if you're in a position of leadership, whether it be a spiritual leader or you know, leading a company or business, what have you, as much as we may like to say that the, the aesthetics still matter, the appearance, I think it leads us to some clues about the lifestyle of that individual, right? And with that, I think, yes, there may be a little bit of just feeling tired and having low energy because we're not eating healthy, But how do you appear in the eyes of those that you're trying to lead if yeah. you yourself aren't mm-hmm. kind of this, you know, example of, of yeah. what you want them to be as well? Yeah, you and I have talked about that with preachers from different denominations of sometimes their gospel witness is discredited in some ways because they're on a stage talking about self-control, discipline. You need to be disciplined. Read yeah. the Bible. Pray mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just look at their appearance and you're like, hey, bro, like, embody it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, there seems to be a little hypocrisy there of you're saying one thing and you're doing a totally different thing. And if all of life, if I can steal some of our redemption friends' language, if all of life is all for Jesus, then this matters. This Absolutely part matters. Matter. It's not the main thing, but it's an important thing. And, that's a, a and it's not, you know, and that's the thing, like, oh, it's you know, we're probably gonna get a lot of emails with about this because I mean it's such a sensitive topic because we uh, we don't know what it's what it's like to not put something into our mouth right to not continually eat 
And if we want something, we we get it. And so I think that just the the habit forming, uh, the way that we satiate ourselves or we satisfy ourselves, the most easy, the easiest way to do that. I mean, from birth, we've been accustomed to just okay, food. Mm -hmm. I can do that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just this constant habit, right? And so I think where it's not a matter, and I like what you're saying, like, because I've definitely struggled with, um, you know, throw it all out and, you know, we're not eating, like, you know, I went a year and a half without eating a sweet. Um, And it's like, I didn't aim to do that, but I just was like convicted or, or, you know, felt compelled to, to not do that. Um, Have I eaten sweets now? Yes. You know, it's like, I'm going to to have those things. But what it really taught me and what I've done over the, over the years is it's taught me the desires of my heart. Like it's taught me the motives behind why do I want that? And that could be food. That could also be like alcohol Mm -hmm. and drink. Like, you know, for me, I just finished 75 hard and the hardest part of that wasn't to not drink alcohol or to not have these certain foods. The hardest part was sitting with myself and my why. Why do I desire that? And actually be able to to ask, you know, for me, pray to God, like, I, what is in me that I desire these other things? Mm-hmm. Um, what am I trying to what am I trying to mask over or I'm trying to gloss over in my life? What am I trying to cover up, you know, with all these other things? And I think for for so many of us, we it's easy and it's not it's culturally acceptable mm-hmm. to turn to food mm-hmm. um, and to not deal with the deep rooted issues. And so, um, I would love to just to dive into a little bit as we as we kind of wrap up. And I, I know we could talk a little bit more uh, or a lot more about this, but I'd love to just hear your thoughts on the the coaching side of the emotional attachment to food and, and kind of yeah. hitting on those desires and um, what you've seen and then how you've encouraged individuals and what you would encourage people today listening uh, about just checking their desires at the door, so to speak, as they approach their um, or as they take an inventory of the food that they eat. Yeah, I think um, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, you were after doing 75 hard, you were kind of st- for a minute to think about your why, like what was creating that situation that made you want those. And I think part of what we try to do with our clients, like I, I consider what we do, I call it top-down change. Top meaning like it's got to start up here and it's going to hmm. trickle down, you know, through the body. But understanding and knowing when you have that desire, there's usually a trigger or a cue, something that came beforehand. You know, was it you're at work and you had your boss come drop something off on your desk and like, I want this done by tomorrow. And you're like, oh crap, like that's it. What am I going to do? The first thing you do is you turn towards that dopamine hit of, okay, I need to feel better. It may just be, uh, you know, relationship stress. It's, it's the things in life, again, knowing how to say no, right? Like maybe we take on too much. And this is just the coping mechanism to get us through. You, you likened it to whether it be drugs, alcohol, food, you know, and, and those things hit all those pleasure centers in the brain and and the microbiome of the stomach, et cetera. Uh, but I think it's understanding when you do have that kind of pressing pause and hitting the rewind for a second and like, all right, let me back up. 
in the last hour, two, three, like what was happening? Mm. What was going on? And, and realizing, ah, maybe it was this and recognizing and anticipating that next time of like, okay, when this happens, I'm going to expect that there's this desire for X, Y, or Z to happen and knowing that a little bit ahead of time. Gosh, that's good, man. And that is so needed, um, especially with a, a culture that is very reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel this and I'm just going to fulfill it immediately. And we want it immediately. Um, we talk about, you know, our spirituality is not a microwave. It's not a microwavable product. Um, and the same is true for, you know, really searching deep into those, those emotions, those desires. It's not going to be immediate, mm-hmm. um, but there's things that we can do to unwind or rewind um, the pattern of which we've been sort of toiled up in um, and, and stop the, the progress of, you know, some unhealthiness, unhealthy habits that we've created over the years. Um, how can people find you? How can people connect with Copper State? And how can people, you know, find you on Instagram or yeah. social media? Yeah, social media, both Facebook and Instagram at copperstatefit.com. Uh, you can email me personally, adam at copperstatefit.com. I'll answer any and all emails if you've got questions. Check out our website, copperstatefit.com. Awesome. And uh, there's, you can jump on there, download a free quick start guide to get going. It'll help you kind of do that inventory and audit of what you have in the house and what to keep and maybe what not to, and even some meal ideas and samples as well. Awesome. Dude, appreciate you. Appreciate the work that you're doing. And uh, one of the things that we ask all of our guests is just if you could boil it down um, to a phrase uh, or a few sentences how do you experience life in rhythm? How do I experience life in rhythm? Man, it's a good question. Hard for me to answer because my wife will tell you I'm, I'm like a philosophical thinker, so I gotta get, I gotta get deep, man. <laughs> and that that was deep, Adam. That was that was deep. Um, I think when it comes to life, man, I like to experience all the things, you know? And I think when it, you know, back, back to the food situation, right? Like I, I like to look at life as a buffet. Uh, there's, I'm not somebody who's picky, who doesn't like certain things, like, uh, and being able to experience people. You know, I think that, well, let's, let's boil it down to that. People are the part of life that probably invigorate me and give me the most energy, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, being able to either be with people, impact people, or experience their life and somehow be impacted by that. Um, that's how I live life in rhythm, I guess. Boom. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I would encourage you guys as listeners to connect with Adam, Copper State Fit. Uh, we've, my family has been blessed by you, and so I'm just grateful for you, thankful for your time, and look forward to having you back on the podcast. There's yeah, so much more absolutely. we need to discuss you bet. when it comes to health and fitness. Thank Appreciate you. it, bro. Yeah, thank you. Peace. Right, peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.